TikTok. Derek the Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex Talk with Eric Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Eric Miley. Eric Miley here. I say this to you all the time. I get really excited about sex nerdery in general, as this audience knows. <laughs> but I am so excited. I, I brought you Queen Anna Algos, pro dominatrix, collared submissive, and top heavy switch. We're going to go into what those words mean here in a second. But thank you for joining us, Queen Anna. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that I have royalty on my podcast. Um, let's just be real. <laughs> Uh, and we're, we're going to talk all things being a dom and what that is like and what that means and, and how your journey, I, I, you know, I don't expect you to be able to talk for every single dominatrix in the world. That's not your role, right? <laughs> like, but I would love to hear how you started your journey to becoming a pro dominatrix. All right. So it actually started with Tinder. I joined Tinder and I was meeting people and in college I was just, I kind of recognized that, you know what, I kind of want to know more about the kinky world. And so I started going to dungeons and I remember my first time going to dungeons. I went to, it was Sanctuary Studios and I went this one night, it was like you got really dressed up and it was... Um, Am I allowed to say the name of the party I went to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it that. was Gentlemen in Charge, and it's about, it's a little bit of high protocol, so the men have to dress up, the ladies dress up, and it's male-dominant, female-submissive kind of party. And so I went, and it was packed, and I'm just seeing people with floggers and whips and, and just in their leathers and boots, and I was like, I'm home. Yeah, and <laughs> I love it. But before I realized that I wanted to get into BDSM, I was a swinger for a little bit. And so, but then I realized, I was like, you know what? I don't just want to have sex with people. I want to connect. And so that's when I realized that, you know what? I fit more with the BDSM community. So I was a submissive at first and was just looking for people to play with. to be like, hey, can you spank me? Can you flog me? Let's try this whip. Let's do some fire play. Let's do some knife play. And then my friends were like, hey, um, you're nice. My friend is looking for someone to spank her. Can you spank my friend? I'm like, okay. So little by little, I started topping others. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm a switch. <laughs> and then I just started going to dungeons around California. Then whenever I would travel, I would try to find a kinky spot to play at. And I even started co-hosting a party at Sanctuary called Champagne Room. And that is a performance-based charity play party. So we would invite people to come perform so they could dance. They could do burlesque, pole dancing. They can strip. We had fire dancers. We've had interpretive dancers. Uh, people are, can come and do scenes. And then the audience throws money at the performers, and we'd give the money to charities around uh, Southern California. And then uh, the playrooms are open. That is wonderful. <laughs> I just can only, I'm picturing this in my head and I'm like, that sounds like absolute and utter fun. So, <laughs> so let's, I just want to make sure that we, we hit some of the words because I know that, you know, not every one of our listeners is super 
educated around BDSM generally. So what does it mean to be a switch? What does it mean to be a top? And what does it maybe mean to me at bottom? Maybe let's do a little one-on-one on some words. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my introduction about pro-dom, color submissive, and top-heavy switch. So what's really funny is when I introduce myself to people, I'll give them my my entire line is like, hi, I'm an algos. I'm ethically polyamorous, sadomasochistic, bisexual, pro-dom, color submissive, top-heavy female switch. <laughs> and they're like, why did you just spit us a kinky dictionary? <laughs> So when I say like ethically polyamorous, it means that, you know, I'm in the poly lifestyle, my partners and I, we date and see other people and we're ethical because we tell each other that we're seeing other people because that's the part people get confused. They're just like, yeah, I date other people, but I don't tell them. I'm like, uh, that's not cool. (laughs) Right. It's unethical. And it's definitely in the family of ethical non-monogamy, right? When we talk about that on this show all the time, that that is you have you are clear with your boundaries with your partners. There is no hiding other partners. Right, right. And then I'm sadomasochist, which means that I'm a sadist and a masochist. So sadists enjoy inflicting moments of discomfort, and masochist enjoys taking those moments of discomfort. And then I'm bisexual. I enjoy playing with males and females. And I really should say I'm pansexual because I'll play with just about anybody as long as you're nice. (laughs) And I'm a pro-dom, pro-dominatrix, pro-domina. And that means that people pay me for services such as they can see me in person or we can do Skype or through the phone, through calls or texts. And they'll message me and say, hey, can we do a humiliation scene? Can we do a degradation scene? Can you pretend that I'm your servant and clean your house? Things like that. But um, it doesn't mean that I'm a prostitute. I don't do anything sexual with my clients. And sometimes that makes them sad, but that's my boundary. I'm not going to have sex with you. You can't touch me anywhere that covers that's being covered by my underwear like no none of that (laughs) i mean i think this is a good distinction because every person has their own boundaries around the kind of work that they do and this is this is yours and i think when people think bdsm i had my colleague uh alissa rice on the show bless that human being connected uh queen and queen anna and i they think bdsm equals sex And that's not, I think, and we're going to get into the myths and some misconceptions about doms generally, but like this is one of those overarching myths and misconceptions about BDSM generally. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm also a collared submissive. I know that confuses people where they're like, wait, you're a pro-dom and a submissive? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Collared submissive means that I have a dominant. I have a sir. And we have been together for a long time. So I went through consideration. It's almost like this trial period of, you know, we made a list of like responsibilities he has to me, responsibilities I have towards him. And then I'm collared. And actually a few weeks ago, maybe exactly two weeks ago, um, he proposed and now we are engaged. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And also I see the caller, everyone who's not, list- who is only listening to audio and the caller <laughs> is amazing. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then top heavy female switch. So when someone says that they're a top heavy switch, 
So a switch means that you're a top and a bottom. A top means you're the one giving the action, giving the command. A bottom means that you are the one taking the command or taking the action. And so when I say I'm a top heavy switch, that means I prefer being a top. I prefer being in a dominant role more than the bottoming role. And I am a female. I'm a cis female born that way, stayed that way. I appreciate the help with the words here because I think when people are exploring this part of themselves, if this is something that they're into or trying to understand if they're into, they they start to learn the the words and then the words can give you freedom, right? Like the words can, if once you kind of know, it's like when, when I tell someone like they, if they're dealing with depression and they didn't have that word before, they now know that there's something going on and they have the vocabulary for it. And I think it absolutely goes for with any kind of sexual health is that when we have words, when we have, when we have the ability to understand the things we're interested in, like it, it really can give us some relief when, like when it came to your journey and you found your people, did you get to have like a, some like, maybe not relief, but like how, how, what was that like for you when you found your community? Well, like I said, I went to that party and I, I was like, I'm home because I grew up in a super strict like Christian household and, you know, you, it was, it looked, you were looked down upon if they found out you were masturbating, you couldn't wear tight clothing, but I was always so comfortable talking about the body and sex. And I enjoyed the psychology of pain because my grandma had needles everywhere because we sewed and did a lot of crafts and stuff. And so I'd be, I would poke my fingers with needles, my legs, my arms, my tits. And just, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is awesome. Or when I'd go to church, I'd play with the candles and the wax and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? This is fun. And then, you know, looking back, you know, I was like, ah, that was my sign. I was kinky. No one just plays with needles and wax. (laughs) 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 Not the way I did. (laughs) That's uh, that's awesome though. I can just, I, I remember doing that even as a kid sometimes. Maybe that's why I need to invest more in my kinky self. Like putting that, like when you would play that extra skin on your fingers with a needle. It's super fun. Super, super fun. Uh, So what do you think are some of the misconceptions about doms? Maybe, I mean, again, you don't, you, you're going to speak for your experience and and the things you know about your community. So what, what do you think are some of these myths or common things that people just don't understand? Well, we hit on one big one and and that's um, BDSM doesn't have to be about sex. You know, I'll go to a party and most parties, uh, BDSM parties, you are not allowed to have sex at the venue. And so people will get there like, all right, when's the sex going to happen? And we're like, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, where's your toy bag? Like, <laughs> you know, where's your tools? And, yeah. So you really have to negotiate with your play partner about how sexy you want to get because BDSM is not about penetration. And if it, and if you wanted to, you got, you got to talk about it. But for the most part, it's, it's mental, it's emotional. Yeah. You're just connecting with people that want to dig into their sexy side and dig into their dark side, their playful side that they can't, you know, just reveal everywhere. Like you can't go to Starbucks and be like, Hey, 
person in front of me, do you like pet play? Or, hey, do you have a latex outfit and I can spank you in it? Like, you know, you can't just do that. It Starbucks might be anything. a better name on a, on a Starbucks cup though. <laughs> like they keep, they keep fucking up my name. I don't know about you, but they, they can't get it. So maybe, maybe we should give them some, just some be like latex cues. spanker. Your latte is ready. Latex spanker. <laughs> That would make me so happy just to see all the people's faces and how uncomfortable they would get. It'd be amazing. Yes. I see. I'm yes, see a, probably a little bit sadistic myself. So what, if any, if the media gets it right, is there any media out here at all that has shown a fairly accurate or accurate portrayal of BDSM? Ooh. Um, I would say that there's nothing that is a hundred percent correct right now. I feel like with each show that's coming out, we're getting closer and closer, but you know, we have the 50 shades of gray. Yay. And, you know, I will say that that's not all bad. There are some major flaws in the, in the books and in the movies, but people have to realize that's entertainment. It's just like with porn, you know, you can't watch porn and then be mad at your partner that they didn't do the move that you saw that one guy do. It's just, um, I think what 50 shades of gray did, it helped put BDSM in the spotlight in the public. So people were having these conversations about like, Hey honey, I like to be spanked. Let's, let's do that. Or, you know, that one toy that he had on the wall, let's, let's get that. So it started conversations and people were actually coming to my dungeon and was just like, hi, I saw 50 shades of gray and I want to know what, what, what goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's great. And then we have bonding that came out on Netflix and that show was a little, added a little bit more humor to it. And it was a little bit better than 50 shades of gray, but not by much. There were some scenes where people were outed or that boundaries were crossed. But, you know, again, it just helped people start those conversations because I had people come see me and like, hey, I saw bonding and I want to know, is this world really real? And it's like, yes. But I also had to tell people that, hey, not every college girl is a dominatrix, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Not everybody who's trying to become a sex therapist or begin a psychologist is out here trying to also do any kind of like dom work or whatever the case may be right like that i think you're right about that the visibility being important that we're finally starting to see some media any media that i mean not all media is good let's be real but like (laughs) being able to see someone that is saying yes i enjoy this yes yeah because i get a lot of people that come to me and say like oh, I thought I was weird. And I'm just like, no, you just haven't found people who enjoy the same things as you. And that's another thing people don't realize is that media still can be therapeutic. It can be cathartic. You can have these moments where you get to maybe redo, relive a trauma that happened to you and you get to take control in this moment. I actually have one, one person I play with. He, he allows me to tell the story. He got stabbed by a girlfriend. And he didn't like knives for a while, but I love knife play. And so he's like, can you help me get over knives? And so, you know, we'll do things where I'll set the knife beside him for a few seconds and then we'll take it away. Or, you know, the next time I'll say like, okay, the knife is going to lay in your lap for a little bit and just slowly expose him 
to that, hey, this you're in control of this knife. This knife isn't going to hurt you. That person, their actions hurt you. But you can meet people that are not going to hurt you, you know. You are you're talking about restructuring trauma. And I and I just love that. You're 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 talking about the helping a person understand this narrative in their life and then taking control over it. Yeah. People don't see the helpful side of BDSM. They just think like, oh, you're just going to spank me. But you got to think about, you know, why do people want to get spanked? Why do people want to be the spanker? And I love being a dominant because I want to make sure that I'm helping people practice these things safely. And it's fun. It's cathartic. You know, I meet people that are just like, I can't cry. And I have all these emotions in me. And so we'll do a scene you know, spank them enough. And then they start crying. And it's just like, thank you. I have relieved all this built up tension in my body. And now I can go function in the non kinky world. Mm. So it's almost like transferring a mental pain, this mental block and emotional pain into something that they can actually feel. And then they're able to be a more productive person. You're talking about something that I'm, I am attempting to try to help my clients with a lot, which you know, the help of other people, the help of BDSM, we can broaden the definition of the helper, right? Like I, I personally very much believe that. And you're talking about using the body as a grounding mechanism to be able to deal with some of the things that we've experienced. And this is not, this is not an easy concept for a lot of us to get, but I, I almost hear I mean, we're kind of not alluding to this. We're just kind of saying it, that BDSM can almost quicken the process a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I will definitely agree with you on that because I've seen people just change. So there's a term called um, sub drop and top drop. And so, you know, top drop can, can mean a bunch of things such as like you're having anxiety or some type of frustration about like, uh, is the person I played with okay with what I did? But it can also be about um, longing to play with someone. And the same for the this, for subdrop, you know, you've gotten off the high of playing and now, you know, you're, you're kind of like back to reality. And so playing and doing BDSM can really help people with their emotions. And so I've seen people that haven't had a scene for a while and they're just, they're just so anxious and they're just like all this anxiety, all this tension. And then they play and they're all calm. They're ready to do their job. They're friendly around their family. And, you know, and it's, it's funny because I'll play with some people and the family doesn't know I play with them. And then they're just like, wow, my husband is so happy lately. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, cause he just had a 45 minute spanking session. Like, <laughs> You you did neurochemistry work. You did some <laughs> physical work. You did. I mean, there's a lot of pieces at play here, right? Like this, the, we're talking about yes, the the psychology of this, but there there's things that that pain, experiencing pain, can do for the brain. That that uh, you know, we need more research about this. Come on, come on, folks who want to come out here and do research and get nerdy about this stuff, just so that we can we can show the things that many of us have seen anecdotally, like you've seen in the people that you've played with. I just think that you're you're just giving some wonderful examples here. So I I do want to shift gears a little bit to you know 
what's happening right now in the world as far as not only just COVID, the people being isolated, not being able to touch, and some of the movement to sites like OnlyFans. How has this changed BDSM, Dom life? Like, how has the increase in folks joining this platform impacted lives generally, do you think? I know that was a giant question. I guess, yeah, I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> so, here's my opinion about all of this. So, with OnlyFans, I feel like, you know, people are at home, they're not working. And they wanted some source of income. So they joined OnlyFans because they figured it'd be a nice, simple way to like, hey, I'll just, I'll just cam, talk to people, and they will give me my money. And so for the most part, you know, you have a cute, mostly, mostly it's, it's ladies, cute ladies that will join and, you know, they're, you know, dressing all cute. They're showing tits. They're, you know, masturbating on cam and they're making some money but a lot of them aren't emotionally ready for this this side of of kink because mm. i've seen it i've talked to some girls like this guy was just so mean to me and i don't know why and i'm just like you're just going to have trolls you're going to have mean people no matter your body type you could just be you know the most gorgeous person ever and you're going to find somebody that's like no you're too skinny you're too skinny or, you know, why do you have such curves? You're going to have someone that's going to make fun of you. I don't think people are prepared for that. And so what's also what I've noticed too, is that, you know, a lot of kinksters, like on the client side that would go see people, they're stuck at home. So I have noticed through my online sites that around like after 9 p.m. when the family's asleep is when it's super busy because, you know, mm -hmm. Papa and brother are calling and they're logging on. And so th that has been up an uprising. But there's also been a lot of educational kink classes being offered online. And that has been wonderful that people are taking these classes and educating themselves during this time that we are ho at home. And so that's great. So people staying educated. So when the doors do open again to our play spaces, they can go play. And I even started like a kinky TikTok. And I do like one minute spills about different topics. And it's just, it's just great because people are just like, oh, yeah. So what do you mean by contract? Oh, yeah. What's a color submissive? Tell me all the definitions. And people are hungry for information. But when it comes to sex work and COVID, yeah, the future looks like it's going to be a little bit different because you got to think about, okay, well, how close do I want to get to my clients? How many new clients am I taking on? Do I wear my mask with my clients or am I making my clients wear masks? Does my dungeon have enough alcohol to clean the furniture before and after? There's so many safety steps. And, you know, when do we even know when? COVID season will be over. It's just, there's so many more questions than there are answers. But yeah, it's interesting seeing this, this increase in people trying to be sex workers. And sex, work, sex workers doesn't just mean prostitutes or strippers. It means sex educators. It means people that do pro services, pro doms, pro subs, pro switches, anything that has to do with like sexuality and you know, things of that nature, you are a sex worker. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think we need to include, I, because to me in my head, I know that it, you know, I know that it hasn't been always the case, but to me, I think of sex worker and I think of helper because I think of how many people's, how many people's lives have been transformed in various ways through essentially using sexual sexuality as a treatment plan for dealing with some of the things that they've been through in their lives. So I I just think that the more access, the better. And also with that, meaning that there should be protections available for those who help others through sexual health. And I think you brought up something that's really important for people to understand who go into maybe any kind of sex work or when you work online in any way, you're going to end up with trolls. You're going to end up with people who just make a negative comment on your stuff just to make a negative comment on your stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Wherever there are people, there's going to be drama and you just have to keep going, stay strong and just ignore it. Clients are going to come and go. Money's going to come and go. But I'm pretty sure once the doors open and people start, you know, getting back to work and whatnot, this population of OnlyFans crew will probably get a little bit smaller. And um, some of them might try to go pro, and but they'll, they'll recognize real quick it's more than just shaking your butt at a camera. <laughs> hmm I, I'm just curious. Have have you heard of any play spaces like making some steps towards opening or like making plans for opening and how how that might look? Um, I want to say I've heard some a dungeon in Denver may have opened already, but what I've been hearing across the country is that you know they're not allowing people to form long lines outside the door. Mm. They're having a cap on how many people can come in. And it really depends on your county about what the new numbers are of what's going to be allowed. I know like some places say they're only going to allow like 50 people in. So that might be, you know, increased ticket prices or it's a buy your tickets on Eventbrite first or that's the only way to buy the tickets. So it's like guaranteed. So we just want people to be flexible and patient and just abide by the rules and to be as clean as possible. Like I said, wipe the furniture before and after. If you have to wear a mask, get creative and, you know, wear something fun, something you can reuse. Maybe leather masks. Maybe it's time. Yeah. Well, one of my friends, one of my friends, uh, Baffo Babes on Etsy, B-A- P-H-O-B-A-B-E-S on Etsy. She makes these wonderful vinyl. Is it leather? I think it may be just vinyl. Vinyl masks with like spikes on them. Ooh. And she makes floral masks. Like she'll, she can make a mask to like any person. She even makes like little kids ones. So if you're a little, she can make you like one with like little hamburgers or teddy bears on it. She's really it. creative. Oh, we're so. going to put that in the show notes for sure. For <laughs> sure. That sounds amazing. Uh, mask with spikes. I kind of want to wear that um, when I go to, when I have to go to the grocery store. I feel like that. Yeah, it's great. Happen. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so how do people find you in the world? So you can find me on Instagram, Atomic Anna Algos. I'm on Twitter as Queen Anna Algos. 
My email is my name, queenannaalgos at gmail.com. I also have a TikTok, silly switch Anna. So silly underscore switch underscore Anna. And I'm on FetLife as Atomic Anna Algos. And yeah, people, please message me if you have a question, if you want to know more about my events, because I host a lot of stuff, go to my link tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, link tree slash Queen Anna Algos. Like for instance, I'm doing Champagne Room online on June 26th and Stock Room, Geeky and Kiki Pins and Pleasure Chest have donated probably over $3,000 worth of goodies to give away. So you guys should really buy a ticket. I have a few $10 tickets left. So go to my link tree and get your tickets because you can also buy tickets to win some of those prizes. And there's some good, I have some vibrators. I have an an electro kit that I'm giving away, electro toys, like geeky and kiki pins. They're giving me so many pins to give away. And yeah going to be a fun time. That's awesome. Are baby uh, kinksters invited? Is this yes. like a, I, I was going to say, is this appropriate for somebody who's interested, who's maybe a baby kinkster out there? Yes, it'll be fun. There'll be nothing too crazy. It's, I guess, 18 plus, you know, we'll have, oh, and the theme is villains. So I have Ooh. a Harry Potter, Malf- Malfoy scene coming up, a Loki scene, People have been submitting some amazing things. And then I'm also, I also teach classes. And so next week I'm teaching a class. Uh, it's a workshop about finding your dominant voice. And that's, I'll be working with the, the attendees about phrases they can use in certain scenarios. Like, you know, what do you say with your voice and your body when your submissive drops something? You know, what kind of role play are you going to do in different ways to have verbal signals and nonverbal signals with those scenes. And then Friday, we're doing a submissive workshop. So submissives are invited to come out and ask whatever questions they want. I love it. Y'all get on these links. Everything will be in the show notes. Go buy all the things. I am just so glad that you were able to be here with me, Queen Anna. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. All right, folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. Anything that's Queen Anna related again is in the show notes and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.